Hello, everyone, and welcome to Storytelling Podcast Week's live episode in March around the world with the BBC World Service. Hello and welcome. Today, I'm joined by Namulanta Combo and Jim, Kim Chakanetsa, both from BBC World Service Podcast. We are so excited to talk to them today. I'm going to read our brief intro, and then we will get into it. So hello and welcome, and here we go. So welcome back, everyone, to Storytelling Podcast Week and our March Roundtable around the world with the BBC World Service with special guests Namalanta Combo of Dear Daughter and Kim Chakanetsa of The Comb. For those of you who may be joining us for the first time, Storytelling Podcast Week has live stream sessions like this one with top podcasters and storytellers from scripted fiction and nonfiction podcasters from across our world and our imaginations. We also have exclusive recorded episodes on the Storytelling Podcast Week podcast, so make sure to check those out. Storytelling Podcast Week is brought to you by Podbean. We're a podcast hosting and monetizing platform and home to over 600,000 podcasts. To start your podcast, head over to podbean.com today. And now we'll jump in and begin. Hello and welcome. Hello. Thank you for having us. Thank you. <laughs> We are so excited that you're both here with us today. And woof, yeah, it's just so exciting. And you know, I think we're we're pretty global here today. So we've got Kim in the UK, I think. Yes, correct. And Namulanta, you're coming to us from Kenya, I believe. Yep, Nairobi. Very exciting. So let's just jump in and get started. For those who may not be familiar yet, tell us about yourselves and the shows you've created. Kim, let's start with you first. Sure. So my name is uh, Kim Chakaneta. I am a Zimbabwean journalist um, based in London, and I present The Comb, which is a BBC World Service a podcast. Um, now, The Comb, uh, like the name says, is really all about combing the continent for stories that are surprising, fascinating, and relevant, and stories that sort of center African voices and African narratives. And we cover a huge range of stories in the past we started in June 2020. Since we started, we've done everything from the pressure to get married, to crypto scams, to looking at what draws women into gangs. So a really wide breadth of stories. But the through line of all our stories is that we are very keen on strong personal narratives. And yeah, so I personally, in terms of my own <laughs> personal narrative, um, I joined the BBC in uh, September uh, 2013. And I was delighted to join because I'm always 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 wanted to join the BBC I grew up listening to the BBC and I love radio so for me it was always all about radio so it's a real pleasure for me to be doing what I do fantastic Namulanta let's hear a bit about your story well my name is Namulanta Combo and I live and work in Nairobi I was born and bred here um Last year, I entered a competition with the BBC. It was the International Podcast Competition, and it sought for um, people to send in their um, uh, uh, their submissions for a competition for a non-broadcaster who would like to tell their story through podcasting. Um, and the theme was anything relating to women, you know, strong, strongly relating to women. And I um, submitted, and I won. And it's been six months uh, of this amazing journey because I have no broadcasting experience. I have never been on the radio. I have never presented anything, um, but I had a story to tell and I won the competition and we've been doing it for six months now. Incredible. I have to just, I have to just jump yeah. in and say, Namilanta is, is such like, you're a natural broadcaster. <laughs> Thank you. Truly, truly, truly. It's been such a pleasure um, just listening to you. So, yeah, some people, I guess, just, just have it. And you do. So. Thank you so much. Thanks. I'm enjoying it. I mean, I am enjoying it yeah. and learning along the way. So, yeah. it didn't start off that way. But, um, yeah, that's a story that I'll continue to tell <laughs> a bit later. Yeah, yeah. You know, I think that's, that's what's great about podcasting. I think that it really enables so many natural storytellers to be able to Absolutely. share their communities yeah. and yeah. stories and the narratives that are important within mm -hmm. those communities. So now, Alanta, as someone who's newer to podcasting and Kim also as a seasoned broadcaster, what were the inspirations for your shows? How did you come up with the concept and the idea for Dear Daughter and The Comb? Um, now, Alanta, let's start with you on this one. 
Okay. So I had the idea to, um, it wasn't for a podcast. Initially, um, I became a mother for the first time five years ago, almost six years ago. And I realized suddenly, you know, I'm not being viewed as myself anymore. I'm so-and-so's mom. Especially in the, especially where I'm, I'm, I live and where I've been brought up, it's it's an honor to be a parent, to be a mother, and you're now called Mama so and so or Ma so and so, so mother mm -hmm. of. And I just realized I'm, st I still feel like me. I still have so many things, experiences that have happened to me, and I have so much to say. But I don't want my daughter to just see me as her mom and not this mm -hmm. person who's a treasure trove, if I must say, of advice and things to say, whether they're, um. She wants to hear them or not. So I um, had the idea to, to write down all these anecdotes and things that I would like to share with her um, and give them to her when she gets older so that if she felt at any point that she couldn't ask me or didn't want to ask me or didn't think that I would have an answer to something, it might be in that book. I thought it would be a book. Um, so that's how it began. And I started writing all these things down. And as I spoke to friends of, and family, I realized that well, everyone has something to say. Everyone has something that could be in this book that would be mm. of value to her. So that's where it began. And I started collecting all these stories. And some people would write beautifully. Um, some people would send me a voice note. Some people would send me a video. And I just started collecting all these stories. And they were coming from men and women, but um, people that she knew. Mm. And uh, that's, that's, that's where the idea began. And when I heard the call for the competition, when I found out about it, well, it took me a minute. I thought, you know, is a, I hadn't thought about a podcast, but I thought, mm -hmm. you know, it could work because I wanted this to be something very introspective and retrospective. And I realized another if word is collective, if we could just mm -hmm. share all these stories. Um, and the beauty of podcasting is that you can sit alone with it and really think about how it can mm -hmm. impact you. Um, and you can take away from it as much as you want to. You could stop if you wanted to. You can, you know, you can move around with it. So I thought, okay, this would be a great opportunity. And I submitted my uh, my idea. And here we are. Hmm. <laughs> Amazing. Um, hmm. In terms of the comb, um, well, uh, it was born out of a wider desire by the BBC to reach a different audience. Um, and all the research that's been done suggests that we tend to skew male um, and we really wanted a way to, 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 to incorporate the female audience, um, not just a female audience, but younger audience overall. So the comb itself was born out of um, just us, um, I say us, it's Mary and me, it's um, uh, Mary Goodhart is my main producer. Um, so what, once we were given the green light to kind of try things out. We knew one thing for sure, we wanted to use BBC Africa's really wide and impressive network of journalists um, to power the journalism. We wanted to really use our newsroom and lean into that strength. Um, and so something that we do now, we use a lot of our journalists to bring us stories. And essentially in terms of how the comb came to being, it was really kind of trial and error really. We were sort of, trying different things in terms of like, what are the stories that are under the radar, the stories that, you know, are kind of newsroom adjacent, <laughs> that might not get yeah. time on the radio. And um, how can we kind of tell these stories in a creative way, in an engaging way? So we played around and, you know, we had, we, we were really lucky, we had like three months of just sort of trialing and, you know, doing different things. And then we sort of came up with the thing we, which we felt worked. And you know, over time, we sort of refined that, but that's how we sort of came about. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And you have quite a lot of experience and, and quite a, a big background in terms of traditional journalism. Mm. So mm. yeah, it, it's definitely something where like, like looking at the projects you've done previously, like how, how was the inspiration for the comb, I guess, um, like, did it, did it come from any of that? Or in terms yeah, of, I guess like, how so. did your prior experience play into creating that show? Because it's such a beautiful show. Yeah. And it really speaks to so many different aspects of culture and life on the African continent. Yeah, well, you know, I think it's a very, very good question. Because what happens often is um, when you're in the newsroom, so I work on the news desk, I was on the news desk um, prior to moving to, onto the comb. And on the news desk, they are, you know, there's something about breaking news. And, you know, it's really important, and it's urgent. And this, you know, but sometimes it, 
there's not as much room for long form storytelling, right? So you'll hear about, you know, this story, this thing happened here, and you'll get sort of just the, the kind of the, the, the bones of it, of what happened. What the comb has allowed us to do is to kind of flesh that out and to, you know, give people time to sort of understand the full story. I'll give you an example of um, one of the journalists that we've been working with um, is our uh, BBC Women's Affair correspondent in Nairobi, um, Esther Akela Ogola. And there'd be a story she'd been working on about abortion. And she'd been really struggling because uh, in terms of, you know, it's one that people tend to shy away from. Yeah. And um, the way she wanted to tell it was going, not, not impossible, but was going to be difficult on radio. And the podcast format, that's the joy of the podcast format. It gives you so much more freedom. And so we were able to tell that story um, in a way that, um, you know, she, that she was very happy with and that kind of did her story justice. So I guess that's for me where the sort of the newsroom and the podcast kind of connect, intersect. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, and I want to kind of take that question and redirect it to you, Namalanta, because you won a contest with the BBC. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so mm-hmm. Namalanta, tell us a little bit about what the process was like for you entering the BBC contest and like, you know, going to the next round and meeting for producers because so many podcasters, you know, who come from uh, maybe an unexperienced or amateur background. That's the dream, right? Like, (laughs) you know, you're, you, you win a contest and then you work with the BBC world service. So tell us a little bit about what that process was like for you. Yeah. Before, before this, I would always go about life saying I never win anything. (laughs) <laughs> and then I do win something and it's big. It's something really big. Um yeah. and I um I didn't tell I didn't tell anyone that I was <laughs> I was I was entering the competition. I found out about it through a friend. Mm-hmm. And my friend is the only person who I spoke about it a bit in the beginning. Um, but I didn't tell anyone. So yeah. um I think I think I I think I I was shocked. I was I was very surprised. But in terms of let me start from the beginning. In terms of entering the competition, yeah. I feel like the BBC made it very simple for somebody like me who doesn't have any experience to, to enter the competition to feel confident to mm-hmm. enter the competition. It didn't ask for like you know my grandmother's blood group or anything you know anything complicated <laughs> like that. You know <laughs> yeah. they just they really just wanted to know obviously my who I am and they wanted to know what my idea was. They that's all they wanted to know, and um, they wanted. Um, us to present our ideas in the best way, in the best light possible. So for me, I always say that the competition um, application for me um, inspired me to actually enter because it was really simple. It was it was daunting for me to think, okay, I'm going to enter a competition with the BBC. But once I looked at what the application was like, it really was just asking me a very simple question, like, what do you want to say? And why do you want to say it? And because um, the idea was so uh, close to my heart, I found it very simple to say, what I wanted to do, what I wanted to say, and who I wanted to hear about it. So um, I got through that part, and then um, yeah. I'm was very it, laid was back. Was it an essay, or did you make a sample episode, or was it? So sorry, yeah. So what I did was it was just it was a description um, oh. of what what um, what the podcast idea was, and then I added um, uh, a little voiceover. I, I read a letter. I read the first letter a friend of mine had ever sent in to me. Um, you know, the ones I've been collecting. So I read that. Yeah. Um, and I, I hear later on that really that really took it away from me. But um, I remember I'm, I'm, I'm quite a laid back person, but <laughs> I literally emailed the BBC like three weeks later, you know, like, what's happening? I thought this is the BBC and I'd get a response sooner than this, you know. <laughs> and they told me very politely, you know, just, just wait. Um, we'll let you know as soon as, um, you know, there's anything to say. Mm-hmm. And a few, I, I can't remember how long, but sometime later, I think a month later or so, I got an um, a call saying that I, an email saying that I'm down to the, the final 10. Mm-hmm. And then I thought, oh, you know, you've done a really good job. Well done, because I never thought mm-hmm. from there I would get any further than, than that. And I thought, you know, this is a really, that was that was good. That was really well done. Um, and then I had a little um, interview um, with the guys in London, with the producers in London and... Um, I then was told that I'd won, which was again, a, probably another <laughs> three or uh, maybe a month later, mm-hmm. um, I got the call saying I'd won and I was just quiet and he was like, are you there? And he thought there was a problem <laughs> with the connection. 
<laughs> but I was just stunned into silence. So yeah, that's yeah. that's 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 how it went down. Wow. I've said I was one of the judges, like not the you know, not the last batch. So I was sort of in the middle when once they'd whittled them down mm. to about I think about 60 and I definitely read your <laughs> entry and it really stood out um it was just such a wonderful wonderful sort of concept so yeah thank was, you yeah, very pleased with thank you, you. thank you very much so what i've heard <laughs> is that it was uh, what was attractive like kim you were a judge but that it was a simple idea and yeah. um Absolutely. I've, I've, I've come to hear a lot more that those are some of the best ideas, especially. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Anyone can, you know, you don't have to, anywhere in the world, you sort of understand the concept immediately. And it's, yeah, yeah. exactly. It appeals to everyone. Yeah. I thought, yeah. yeah. Absolutely. And I think it's something where as podcasters, because at Podbean, we host like 600,000 podcasts. So yeah. as yeah. podcasters, so many, you know, we all have these convoluted ideas and yeah. want to produce these you know, podcasts with so many different elements and concepts. Mm -hmm. And sometimes it's the, it's the simplest things Absolutely. that really, yeah, have that emotional reach mm -hmm. that do yeah. so well and resonate with the most amount of people. So mm -hmm. yeah. it's really incredible. And from there, and I want to, I'm, I'm just really curious. So once they're like, Hey, I, you won. And you're like, Oh, I'm shocked. And then yeah. no, I'm, I'm here. You know, what's that process like, you know, never having, had a traditional media background, what's it like coming in and starting to work with, with the BBC? Like, yeah. do you have production meetings and are you talking about sound design? Like, what does that yeah. look like? Yeah, so it was terrifying because now I was like, oh my gosh, okay, what does this actually mean now? Um, and it meant, first of all, me, I, I have I have a full-time job. So it meant me working out how, um, how I was gonna balance the two. Um, yeah. And then once I was, once we settled down everything in terms of figuring out the timings and who's on board and all that. Um, so what happens is I, I, I go in twice a week to the local office in Nairobi and it's, yeah, it's production meetings. Um, we have letters that we have to sift through from all over the world. Can you believe it? People writing in from places, to be honest, I'd never even heard of. And they're writing these letters and they want to be a part of the podcast. So it's wow. sifting through letters and, and seeing um, who we would like to interview further and whose story we would like to, to, to delve a bit you know, more into. Um, it's then figuring out the technicalities and me learning um, you know, sound engineering and all these things um how a studio works and 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 mm. um and then it was it was me being comfortable enough to talk to to somebody um i'd never met about stuff that was really personal to them um and i needed to learn a bit more about how to um you know tact and interviewing how to interview um how to listen mm -hmm. uh, and all these little bits that make the podcast what it is now and i'm still learning i'm still learning I love that you say how to listen because it is something that is just a very difficult thing to do. Yeah. <laughs> it's hard it seems. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and you just yeah. have to really, and it's still an ongoing thing for me, just learning how yeah. to listen and kind of, um, because that's where the magic happens when you're kind of really listening to someone and you're hearing yeah. what they're saying and you, you're willing to take, you know, go off script and follow them wherever they're going, you know. Um, yeah. And that's, yeah, yeah, it does take time. <laughs> yeah, and it's a very different reaction as well when someone does feel heard. Yeah, yes. the interview oh, for takes sure. a life of its own. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, and it's it's something where when you get so excited and somebody's you know talking about something naturally, I think a lot of people want to jump in or say, y you know, I totally feel the same way, or <laughs> you know, get involved <laughs> in <laughs> that person's shared experience or the, sorry, the experience they're sharing. And it, Kim, you're totally right because the magic happens when we just hold back that little second longer and then, mm -hmm. you know, you get something that you didn't expect. Yeah. It's about not being afraid of silence, um, yeah. you know, and, and, and also knowing when not to speak, do you know what I mean? And when to nudge, when to come in and probe a little bit more or when to just let it go. It's, it's a real kind of tango. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just kind of understanding, you know, how the choreography of the, of the kind of the interview and it's, yeah, it takes time. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that kind of rolls into what my next question is in terms of insight for podcasters out there who want to tell stories from communities and cultures that they're from or that they are 
interested in and want to, you know, share that with a wider audience. Um, apart from listening, which I think is, is so important, what are mm-hmm. some other maybe insight or skills that you both commonly use within your podcast to do that? Yeah. Um, Kim, let's go with you on this one. Sure. I think um, I try to read as widely as possible. I think mm-hmm. that's really important um, mm-hmm. to just try, you know, read as much as you can. And then once beyond that, I think maintaining contact. So if I'm telling a story that's a community, that's from a community or a culture that's not my own, then I really have to go as prepared and I really have to have as many conversations as I can from people from there, right, um, to sort of get as much guidance. Um, and then... I think those conversations are really, really important because often what happens is sometimes I might have an idea of a story, like, oh, I found this really interesting thing. I f- speak to someone who's from there or, you know, and they they will kind of be like, no, that's not really the story. <laughs> and often that what happens um, is that the best stories for us have come when somebody, we've approached someone or they've approached us and we've kind of talked about the story and we've found actually when we've gone down the rabbit hole that there's something else completely different happening Mm -hmm. that's much more interesting do you know what I mean and that's the story so it's just being prepared to put in the work in terms of like um researching and not coming in with preconceived ideas of this is what this is and this is what I want you know being again similar to the listening being prepared to be led a little bit um you know in terms of direction um and also when you know if you're telling something from your own community it's also about trying to find a fresh angle because I think you know as a Zimbabwean I know there's a lot of stories that are when people cover Zimbabwe, the sort of st- certain stories people tend to gravitate towards. <laughs> so it's it's trying to find like what are some of the untold stories? You know what ha- what have we not heard about? Um, where can we go that's interesting? So I guess in, in a nutshell, for me, it's really about that research before you even you know start interviewing, doing the research, speaking to people as widely as possible, being open to possibilities of going in a different direction. Um, and just also just kind of one, you know, questioning yourself in terms of like, um, what is my interest in the story? You know, um, just kind of, yeah, working out your approach before you get started. Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. Namalanta? Um, I, I agree with everything that Kim has said. <laughs> and <laughs> she took the words out of my mouth. But um, the only other thing that I would add, which for me, um, as an amateur, uh, someone who'd never been into in, in production and um, development of a program of any sort, of any sort, um, it must have been very annoying for my producers. But I found that um, before an interview, I would I would just talk about everything and nothing with the person that um, I was interviewing, just to create some sort of rapport. Because for them, it was the first time that they were doing this. For me, it's the first time, and it was how I felt comfortable, just having those extra. Um, seven minutes, 10 minutes to just talk about the weather or talk about, you know, um, the cost of fish, wherever you are or whatever it was. And um, I just found that continuing to do that, that's what was working for me. Um, Just having this feeling that I know someone better. And I found that for them, they were a bit more open and a bit more willing to talk because we'd had this random chat before going on air. It took a lot of time sometimes and it was (laughs) annoying for the production team. But I just found that... um, it was working and I also um there was a turning point for me where I just thought you know sometimes I, I don't know I don't know I don't have anything to say um oh. because um I don't have any advice and I'm just we're just chatting and I found that that was also um created a feeling that we were just having a chat me being honest and saying um you know I, I don't know what I would do um yeah I don't yeah. know how I'd react to this situation and not um feeling too much like a journalist no offense to the journalists listening, but you know, just um, you know, feeling like I'm just anyone who could be you could be talking to in a cafe mm. or something. Yeah. Oh, I, I I I completely completely agree about how important that pre when you start, and I, I've often found. Um, you know, once I say, oh, we're recording, you know, once I let people know, there's a kind of slight stiffening up (laughs) of the, okay, now it's time for me to put on my broadcasting voice and, you know, (laughs) so if you are able to sort of soften that, you know, just by chatting with them and, you know, just easing them into it, it does make such Mm. a big difference, such a big difference. I completely agree, Amanda. Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. I think creating a sense of familiarity and even Mm. safety Mm -hmm. 
mm-hmm. with people that we speak with is so important because yeah. that's where you know they're going to be able to unwind and and tell us their stories or yeah their experiences and yeah. that's also tied to how you do the interview because often if i know that i'm going to a difficult interview you're making sure you have time I know that sounds silly, yeah. but like, um, so so you can pause and say, I can say if at any time you want to stop and, we, you know, and you're not sort of looking at the clock like, oh, we need to get mm. to this section. The person can mm-hmm. stop, the person can pause, you, you know, um, and because sometimes I do really difficult interviews and I think you you owe the the contributor that space to allow them yeah. to, to take their time and not be rushed because you've got the studio for half an hour. Yeah. <laughs> going. Yeah. Yeah, that's really that's also really valuable insight. I think when you're when you're interviewing people, not to rush things mm-hmm. in so many ways, right? Not to interrupt mm-hmm. and get just too excited and, and to to really hone in on listening, mm-hmm. um, and to also give space that mm-hmm. kind of non-defined, you know, front end, tail end, real kind of hu- space to be human, I guess, mm-hmm. and. Mm-hmm. And create that safety and connection with people that you're inviting on your on your show or people whose yeah. stories you're telling. So that's so amazing from both of you. That's yeah. really valuable insight. Um, as African women, you both highlight stories about women within both the African diaspora and the globe. In the case of of Dear Daughter, what are what are some similarities that you've encountered within those stories. Um, Namalanta, let's let's go with you first on this one. Um, so the similarities that I've encountered as um, in hearing these stories. Yeah. Regardless and, of where and, they're from. Okay. Right. Yeah. So I've, I realized that everyone has a story to tell. Um, yeah. I'll find that I'm speaking to someone in Russia or in um, well, in Canada, and it feels like something that would have happened to me here, you know, um, mm-hmm. in terms of how we feel about things or how we react to things or the things that we're we're trying to figure out. Um, and I found that the world is a lot smaller than mm-hmm. I actually thought. You know, being human is it doesn't matter where you're from, and um, we're all struggling with pretty much the same things. Um, so for me. That was really heartening for me to realize that my daughter, who I started this idea for, can learn from so many women across the world. And there have been men on the podcast as well. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. But the fact that it doesn't, it, time doesn't seem to matter, race doesn't seem to matter, economic status doesn't seem to matter, how you feel is how you feel. And, um, that was a fantastic, that's a fantastic lesson that I will be able to teach my daughter from this journey that I'm on to know that um, it, time and space, it doesn't seem to matter. We're all learning and we're all human. And, you know, with the empathy that, with the empathy that I hope she'll have, she'll be able to, she'll be able to live anywhere and amongst anyone. So I just found that the stories are very similar. You know, this the setting is different, but this, the, the human experience and the human journey is very much the same. And it felt made me feel a lot closer to, you know, you in Bali and you in the UK. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Kim, do you find similarities between yeah, the stories? Yeah, I think so. I think, I think, um, Nimlanta put it beautifully. I think, you know, about the human journey is very, very, very similar. I mean, obviously there are some sort of, um, will be, Africa-specific things that will, yeah. that will come out, um, you know, yeah. in terms of the stories. But overall, the, the sort of overarching finding for me is that we are, you know, whether somebody's in Pakistan, you have people, you know, you put out an episode and someone will write for you from, I don't know, Vancouver in Canada and say, oh, you know, this this is very similar for me, you know, and it's just, I, it just, I, I, yeah, I find it very kind of heartening that we all live, live in these very sort of complex and nuanced lives, and you know, <laughs> um, and I, yeah, I, 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 yeah, I can't say like there's been any kind of major thing that have surprised me, and I've been like, oh, you know, we're very different. I think we are very, very much the same. We're just kind of living in different places geographically. <laughs> True. Yeah, that human experience mm-hmm. that seems to be just so universal. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. 
what do you both want audiences to take away from your work? Ooh. Kim? <laughs> um, I guess, oh, that's a very good question. What do I want people to take away from the work? <laughs> I guess it's that, really. Like, you know, very tied closely yeah. to what we, you, you know, that the question you just asked us, that we all kind of, um, I, I very much, I sometimes feel, and I think we're shifting away from that, that the sort of African experience was flattened, that we were kind of, there was always one story told. And I think you know, there's a lot been written about that, the, you know, the sort of one single African story. Um, yeah. And I feel that what hopefully we are contributing is just adding just a little bit more nuance to that conversation and just reflecting the kind of multiple textures that go with like <laughs> being African <laughs> and um, yeah and that, that you know there's sort of a multitude of voices and people have different you know feelings and thoughts about different things and their lives they live like different lives from different places and yeah I know that sounds a little bit contradictory but I'm just trying to say we're trying to reflect like just to showcase multiple voices and I think that's what we want to with people to come away from the comb kind of having felt that they are getting a little bit of an insight into a world that's kind of multicolored and multi-textured. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, I think with Dear Daughter, I'd like <clears throat> I'd like people to realize that um, yeah, we're all a bit like onions and we have layers and layers, and sometimes <laughs> sometimes we will um I mean, without without peeling back the layers or with the willingness to sort of see um, what somebody is all about and try and understand them, it, it makes it very difficult to empathize. Um, and for me, my big word is empathy. I just think that if we could empathize or just try to empathize and just try and um, understand, try to understand where, where someone may be coming from, it will make it a lot easier to... Um, figure out what they, why, why they are who they are. And I think there is a benefit in just taking interest. Um, and for me, what Dear Daughter has done is created for that opportunity for me to learn so much about people from all over the world, which is amazing. Um, but it's also allowed me to think about who I am and what I would like to do and learn from other people. I mean, our culture, African culture is storytelling which has always been an oral, um, uh, passing on orally. And I feel like this is just part of my culture and I'm just broadening it up to the world and um, I'm learning, it's helping me work on myself. So I hope that anyone who's listening to the podcast um, could have a bit of more empathy about people, but also um, think about how they can work on themselves and their own personal journeys and also share stories, yeah. Absolutely. And I think as you're both talking about, you know, the audience's experience, it's something where there are a lot of preconceived notions, right? I mean, I think with, with Dear Daughter, being being a woman, there's a lot of preconceived notions, right, <laughs> of, of yeah. being a woman in the world. And, and Kim, especially hearing you speak about, like, the one common story that's told out of Africa, um, you know, there, there are a lot of... Um, there are a lot of preconceived notions and assumptions I think that people make about maybe the population, you know, from Africa being a, around the world as podcasting is and the experience of being a woman and what we, and what we want to tell our daughters. So what, what experiences do you feel are new and less commonly covered that you're excited about telling? Hmm. <laughs> Mama <Lenta? laughs> That means okay. You're um, on the spot. <laughs> I was just thinking about um, you know the episodes that we've done. We recently did one on um stillborn birth um and, and, and loss of babies, which for me where I'm from and now in speaking to the lady who um it's it's out now, so it, the lady's in yeah. Ireland. She lives in Ireland. Um, it's the same thing there. It's, it's it's not something that's spoken about, um, which is the same here. 
it's something that is yeah. kept very secretive it's of course it's it's a devastating loss and not everyone wants to talk about it but she was explaining to me that you know the pussyfooting around the topic sometimes makes it even worse and people not acknowledging um you know that your child was there or the grief that you're going through for her um yeah. makes it a lot worse you know um and she also spoke about the shame uh, in not being womanly enough you know some of the things we spoke off of you know off what was edited but the shame of not being womanly enough to carry a child you know that type of shame yeah which is a huge stigma um you know not yeah. being able to have a child not being able to carry a child mm -hmm. is a huge stigma so i i really loved that conversation and i hope it will open a lot more discussion um about um it's 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 a loss it's a loss to any woman not to um yeah. take your child home mm -hmm. um, and it's a loss mm -hmm. to many women not all to not be able to to have children so it's something that should be supported and not not verified. so um, for me that's a topic that was very close to home and um, i hope it's it leads to more discussion um, yeah, powerful. Yeah. I guess for, for me, one of the topics that we've been discussing with Mary Goodhart, my um, producer, for a long time is um, sex. And <laughs> we think about sex often framed um, through the lens of like sexual violence, or, um, you know, so there's a lot about, um, you know, abuse, and often you're, you know, you're talking about female genital mutilation. But we're very keen to talk about pleasure, <laughs> to right. talk about sex, to, uh, uh, you know, the, the lens of pleasure, and mm. you know, um, and so that's something that we've been working on, um, and hopefully we'll be um, we'll be looking into doing a kind of an episode or a series. We're just still working on that, on that, looking at you know, looking focusing on kind of female pleasure and um, the conversation around that and how that's opening up a bit more, because um, I, I still think that the, the dominant narratives tend to be the slightly uglier conversation around sex and we'd like to, you know, kind of shine a light on. <laughs> on that. Yeah. On that. Kim, can yeah. I just say, I think the podcast is out today and I was talking to the, my friend about that and how we're going to introduce sex to our young children and, um, you know, the topic of sex and it being for pleasure and mm. not being um, something that should be, um, a woman should be shamed about. Yeah, and exactly. it is not for a man's pleasure. And it's so yes, interesting that you should yes. say that because yeah. my friend is well-read on African culture and sex. So it's definitely an episode oh. that you should listen to. On and it, then... on it, on it, on it. Thank you for that, Rick, on it, thank you. <laughs> yeah, I think it's something where I think when we have these preconceived notions and you know ideas of what a population or a place is like, we mm -hmm. forget the yes. entire spectrum of the human experience that exists for all of us. Mm. So I think it's so amazing that both of you are incorporating that into the work that you do. It's, it's so important and powerful because, you know, when we pigeonhole or when we, you know, repeatedly uh, tell the same narrative about yeah. a population of people or a geographical place, it, mm -hmm. it really limits our ability to understand and to connect, I think. And so in so many ways, just across yeah. the board. So I'm so glad that you guys are kind of widening that spectrum of storytelling yeah. um, in that way. What have been some, what have been some, what have been some favorite episodes <laughs> um, that you've produced? Like that you've just been like, oh, I got this. And like, I, I, I nailed this one. This is my jam, <laughs> you know, where you're just like, you produce an episode and you're like, you know? <laughs> like I've done yeah. it, um, you know, because I think as podcasters, there's always those episodes where you feel mm. extra proud of or extra excited mm. about or that mm. you want to share um, with people just a little bit more. What what have been those episodes for the both of you? Um, so I, I, I can think of two off the top of my head um, and I love all my children. <laughs> yeah. <to> <laughs> Um, but um, 
yeah, I'll pick uh, slightly older one and a more recent one. Um, so we did one on languages, uh, and we were focusing on how French and English are being given a lot of prominence in schools and in homes, and how that's leading to the erosion of you know this generation of kids growing up who can't speak the mother tongue, they can't you know can't speak Shonandirele, Zulu, you know whatever it is. Um, Their traditional the struggle languages. to exactly right. exactly in that. Mm -hmm. um, and we spoke to three people. There was a girl um, from South Africa, Khalkiso, um, who is uh, 17 and just like incredible, incredible. And she, you know, had grown up speaking Kosa and, and, and Zulu, and then she'd moved to um, a school which was predominantly a private school. And she, her English wasn't very good. And she was just talking about in order to fit in how she kind of essentially just completely kind of stopped speaking in it of the languages that she'd grown up speaking just so she could learn English and she could fit in because she was really bullied around not being able to speak English. And, you know, even though she's only 17 and then kind of during this kind of turn of kind of realizing what was lost when she was, you know, unable to, to speak these languages. And, and then we spoke to a, a girl in, Ni in Nigeria and she was talking about how her parents had always prized English because, you know, in terms of wanting, and I, it, I fully understand it, you know, it's, it, it's about kind of, wanting your kids to do well, kind of setting them up and saying English is sort of the, kind of the language of trade, of, you know, of, of different things. And so you want to set them up. And her parents have always said, you can only speak English, even though they're Igbo. Um, so they'll speak Igbo to each other, but never to the kids. <laughs> but they were very strict about it being English only. And, you know, because of some complicated family dynamics, she ended up meeting her grandmother a little bit later in life. And she couldn't communicate with her grandmother. Her parents had to translate um, because her grandmother didn't obviously speak English, and for her, it was this this moment of realizing that this is not this, this isn't great. So she's now on a journey to relearn, uh, to learn, I guess, not relearn. And then there was a guy from Ghana who's a teacher, and he was talking about how you know in the rural area, because initially I thought this was just sounded like just a middle class problem, but it's actually not. In the rural areas, he's saying that all these kids who the parents just want them to speak English, but they don't. Sometimes they, you know, they're not there, not up to scratch yet. So they'll struggle in school, and they'll eventually just fall out because, you know, they haven't, you know, they're being forced to learn in a language that they don't fully grasp, you know. And it's, it was just one of those episodes when you go through, you know, you kind of, it was very insightful, and we got a lot of feedback around it because I think it's a very kind of topical conversation. It's something I think a lot of people are reckoning with. Um, so that was one. It's called Losing My Language. Um, and then we did another one. Uh, Mary produced this, um, Mary, my ace producer, and she did, uh, it was called Missing. And it was basically about, um, without a trace, sorry, was that what it ended up being called, without a trace. And it's about um, a guy called Kenny Chikonka in Zambia who just went missing. Um, he, went, he was meant to go to Zimbabwe with his brother, but then for reason, one reason or another, he ended up staying with his cousin and he just disappeared. And it's about like the fallout, how the family has dealt with just imagine your brother or your son just kind of disappearing and no one has any answers. And, you know, the police haven't been as helpful as, you know, they would have liked. And it's just been, you know, um, how that's affected the family. And I just found it incredibly moving. I have brothers and I just, just the, just the thought of it. And I spoke to the father and I spoke to the sister and just those interviews stayed with me because I just, it was something I just felt very deeply just hearing yeah. them and just hearing the incredible kind of sadness and grief that comes without grief, without closure has to be kind of an impossible grief. Right. And so you, those, those two episodes, I think, yeah, but like I said, I love all my babies. <laughs> <laughs> No, I've, I've definitely heard both of those episodes. And Namulanta earlier, sorry, we're talking about the episode that has recently come out, Birds, Birds and the Bees. I think it, mm -hmm. that's what that's called as well for those of you yeah. who are watching want to check it out. It's called Birds Absolutely. the Birds and yeah. the Bees or Birds and yeah. the Bees? Birds and the Bees, yeah. Yeah, so Namulanta, what has been kind of the an episode that really lights you up and, and has been an exciting moment for you? Yeah, for, for me, I think it was earlier on, and I think I mentioned that empathy has been my pet word. I'm really trying to embrace it um, for the past, since my daughter was born, for the past almost six years. And for me, this episode, it was, it's called Self-Defense Guy. Um, it was the display of empathy for me because he's a, he's a, he's a, a, a Dutch guy living in America and he, um, military background, and what he does is he does self-defense videos for women online. 
um, which is a great thing. Yeah. But what he does is he really puts himself in the shoes of a woman. So he would go into the nail salon and get acrylic nails, like long painted acrylic nails. He'll get a full set and pay full price for them. And then he would show you how to get out of a jam or get out of a situation um, with these nails on, you know. And mm. for me, it was just going the extra mile and saying, okay, yes, I do these um, videos to help women get out of um, situations where they can um, defend themselves. But he took it a step further and thought, okay, what are the impediments? What are the things that a woman, a woman is actually got on or going through at the time to realize uh, for him to make videos that are really, really um, specific to a woman? And the fact that, you know, he struggled and he's, he tied himself up and he was trying to take them off. And he had, I can't even imagine how long he practiced for before the actual video <laughs> came out with him succeeding, you know. So I just love the effort that he was putting in yeah. and the empathy that he was showing um, in wanting to um, do what he does, but make it really possible for a woman to understand what he's saying and to understand what he's saying. And it, for me, that was just the epitome of, of, of empathy um, and as I say I love all I love all my babies as Kim says <laughs> but for me that one really shows it really shows how um, you know just going that extra mile um, can really help someone and you, you might not even know it yeah yeah no absolutely it's so much fun I think as creators because you know it's true we love all the episodes that we create and then there are those episodes that just they stand out in some way you know whether it's our connection to the subject or the way that they go about it or kind of the the narrative and the full circle aspect of the story it's it's so interesting as podcasters and and as audio store auditory storytellers i think it's something that, that you know there are there are those those episodes and those moments i think that really do stand out so yeah. it's always great to hear from creators <laughs> what are your favorites but but no yeah. we love all we love all of them. What are, <laughs> which ones stood out I guess yeah <laughs> so what what podcasts are the two of you fans of what what podcast mm. do you love to listen to I think everybody out there is always looking for recommendations um but as creators you know I think at, you know some podcasts are have their own fandoms in some ways yeah. so Kim, what do you listen to in terms of podcasting? Well, and I listen to a lot. <laughs> I listen to Let's a lot. Let's hear it. Yeah. My phone, I'm just going to pull up my phone, actually, just to see what I'm currently listening to. But I think it will make it easier and quicker. Um, so I've just finished Trojan, the Trojan Horse Affair. I don't know if you guys have listened to that. I thought that was yeah. excellent. And now I'm reading all the critique around it, as often happens <laughs> when something has been such a, a big moment. Um, but I absolutely love, I love The Daily. I love Reveal, which is an investigative podcast. I, think, um, I love Reveal. Um, I love Who Weekly, uh, which is just a pop culture, just very, very, like when I'm given the state of the world, you just need something light and breezy about like um, non-celebrities. It's a weird podcast about non-celebrities called Who Weekly, which I love. There's one called The Read, which again is about you know, pop culture. The Read is great. Mm -hmm. um, I'm loving The Experiment. I don't know if you guys listen to The Experiment. It's from um, Atlantic Magazine. But they are doing some spectacular work just in terms of just, just incredible storytelling. Um, so it's sort of based on kind of some of the articles that are written in the um, Atlantic magazine, but it's very good. I was listening to The Coming Storm, which is a BBC one. Um, yeah, basically, which is about politics in the States. I mean, oh gosh, the same thing. Reply All, <laughs> um, Legally Clueless, uh, Love and Radio. Oh, yeah, I love, I love all of them. Like, I've got so many, and I'm always listening. Mm. Rough Translation, one, what Rough Translation. I don't know if you guys listen to Rough Translation. I also really like that. Um, yeah, I, I always have many on the go, and it's great because every day a new one's coming out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So th those are kind of a short list, but I have a very long list. I can get in touch yeah. with you. Right. <laughs> uh, great. <laughs> I'm like you. I'm, I, I have a lot that I'm listening to. I don't know if mm -hmm. when you when you first started podcasting, if you would listen to like all of them and now I have to like retrain myself how to listen to a podcast because now I'm just like oh yeah there was there was an edit here and I'm learning from them all but um yeah. the ones I'm of course I'm listening to the call yeah. and um I'm listening to Jeans and Jalof as well which is an American one 
Yes, yes. yes, so I've just started listening to that quite a bit, which I'm enjoying just discussion about, yes. you know, all sorts of things, but there's a very African, um, mm -hmm. African centered. Uh, I'm also listening to one called, um, it's a Kenyan one called It's Related, I Promise. Yeah, which again, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> so those are, the, those are the two I'm really listening and the comb, of course, I've, which I've been listening to since we began, but those are the two I'm listening to at the moment i'm not able to listen to lots of podcasts at the same time yeah so I, you, it's kind of like a book ask, for me and I'm little, what, what, what are you looking for when you're listening like what are you, what is it that you're um the, like it's related i promise um like what is it that you you seek when you're looking for a podcast what draws to? you in yeah mm. yeah i like i like stories i like human stories and i human like stories. um yeah i i like um i like listening to that uh someone telling their story or you know yeah. the producers the, the presenters discussing a topic mm -hmm. and i just like i like hearing about what the way other people think about something and um i really like learning something new as well mm -hmm. so in those i'm getting <laughs> i'm getting it all mixed up into one um but yeah like i said i listen to them one at a time for sure mm -hmm. that's like reading a book for me i don't know if it's something like my podcast palette isn't very advanced yet but i can't listen to too many at the same time um, well, so I tend to listen to a couple. See, for me, what's happened is like books have sort of, and I, I'm, I have vowed that you know, 2022, I remedy this. I'm listening, reading less books and listening to more podcasts. But I think mm. I really need to. Yeah, it's just happened because I'm, my commute to, you know, I used to read mm -hmm. on my commute, but now it's just become. I'm just like, oh, I can never get a seat. I'm on the train and my hands, you know, so yeah. now it's just better for me to listen. I don't like audio books. I just mm. prefer to have a physical book. Yeah. So it seems like podcasts have sort of edged books out, but I'm determined to kind of half-half. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, I think you're both absolutely right there. And it's so interesting. A lot of my friends, Kim, have actually said that they've stopped reading because they listen to so many more podcasts. Mm. Um, and so I just wonder how that changes like our pattern. And, our, and you know I think some people also are more auditory learners so there's actually that element as well like do you retain more auditorily apart from like not getting a seat on the train and you know the fumbling of the book because <laughs> we've all been I've been there we've all been there but um you know I think in terms of retention and also you know when you're listening to a podcast like the, the tonality and the emotion mm -hmm. that comes through yeah. in people's voices is so much more powerful sometimes than if you read something you don't hear you don't always hear it in your head that way mm -hmm. so i think it's 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 such an interesting aspect and and kim i also wanted to ask you you know as as a journalist with so much that goes on in the world mm -hmm. you know it sounds like you also are are you know like listening to and and i don't want to say exposed to but you you listen to or you're around a lot of news mm -hmm. um and I think news overwhelm or just the amount of, you know, hearing what's going on in the world all the time can be um, a lot, mm -hmm. you know, can be overwhelming or can can feel heavy. What do you do to shift that or kind of break it up or balance that? Yeah, normally this is one of those things I've been kind of grappling with for quite some time yeah. now. And I think one of the answers was what I just showed you there in my my, my podcast. Yeah, yeah. Who, is it, I've who knows? Of, right. Yeah, I've just who weekly, who weekly, who weekly. <laughs> yeah, um, there's been a kind of a shift in the content. Like I used to listen to mm. a lot of politics podcasts, like just war to war politics, yeah. and I've seen that I've kind of started to reduce that because it became overwhelming. Um, because there was a lot happening, seems to be just constantly things happening. There's just never, you know, I, I, I know we always hark back to a golden era, but I do remember a time when there'll be a big news story and then there'll be a big lull between the news stories. But now it just seems to be like breaking news, breaking news, breaking news, breaking news. And I think that's it's been a lot. And so for me, it's about kind of pacing myself so that I'm not constantly drinking from a fire hose and, you know, just taking all this news that I, you know, which I think does eventually kind of start to weigh you down it really does so being able to go into this sort of pop culture where people are just talking about films and I you know listen to a lot of arts and culture related podcasts that for me is a real center of pleasure and inevitably politics sort of does bleed into it but it's not in that way that it's just you know you're talking about kind of hard news and geopolitics um so that's one way I do it and I also um try to kind of give myself kind of digital sabbaticals. I do, there are days when I'm just 
kind of offline, you know, and um, just to try give myself the space to just, I don't know, not do anything with here or read anything that's, you know, you just read, read like I love essays and stuff and, you know, just about stuff that's not related <laughs> to yeah. politics. But I've had to take a very deliberate kind of approach yeah. to that because I did think, I think it was sort of, 2020 end of 2020 and I realized that you know you can't you can't just be in it the whole time you can't be on the whole time otherwise no. it does start to kind of grind you down yeah absolutely yeah and I love that digital sabbatical I think it's so it's 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 so apt because there you know there's just a sense of overwhelm for so mm -hmm. many people and especially mm -hmm. you know you've been in journalism for quite quite a long time and, and have mm -hmm. an established career. And so it must be, you know, coming yeah. from, there's a lot of hand gestures, but <laughs> it must be coming, coming, it yeah. must be like That's it's it. coming at you sometimes. Absolutely. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. And Namalanta, I also, I, I know quite a few people who have a very similar experience. You know, you love podcasts, you kind of get obsessed and you have all your favorites and then you start creating a podcast and you just, you see how it's made and, and you just, <laughs> oh, you're like, oh, the sound design or all oh, that effect or yeah. they made that cut on the thing. And yeah. it's yeah. something where you definitely get it back. And I think after a while, you do hit critical mass with your own show mm -hmm. enough that you start to weave back other shows in. But I think it's really common because so many podcasters get into podcasting because we love it, right? Mm -hmm. We we love hearing the different narratives and stories and perspectives and shows um and then you create your own and you're like oh this is this is a lot i, I can't i can't listen to anybody yeah, else you know yeah. so. it's ruined the magic for me but yeah I'm, I'm so glad to hear you say that you know a lot of people that you know um yeah you know, no felt the same way yeah. i think it's a common experience absolutely um so we've got a couple of minutes left and i have one last question um you know 2022 feels like things are kind of shifting or there's, you know, there's in some places around the world, things are opening, you know, what, what are some stories that you're excited to tell as we move into 2022? Um, I guess trying to kind of look at what, obviously the pandemic is still very much yeah, no, yeah, it's, I'm, I'm with us. Yeah, I didn't no, mean no, to be like, it's over. No, no, What I mean is that like in terms of like, because just in terms of my answer, because we want to look at what's coming next kind of, and even though it's still with us, it's just sort of looking at how it's affected people's lives in the kind of long term. And for example, um, we're going to be um, coming to Nairobi. I'm going to see you then in Atlanta, I hope. And, uh, and um, because one of the stories that we, we, we we're working on is kind of families choosing, having kind of experienced life in the city to leave. Um, so you're having kind of um, urban rural migration because, you know, the story has always been on kind of rural urban migration, but people having kind of been in, you know, during COVID realized that, oh, they need more space or they want to just change the way they live their lives and obviously remote working has made things easier um so that's one of the things we want to look at kind of like the way um the pandemic has shifted the way we live and how we want to live and kind of you know that kind of reckoning we've had with the way we've been kind of living our lives um and obviously unfortunately you know ukraine um when you look at what's happening the, the, you know, the war in ukraine um i think we, I've been following the stories of, you know, of the African angle, a lot of, you know, yeah. students who've been kind of caught up and, you know, yeah. caught up in the war. And I'm just trying to think long term what that would look like for them, kind of having been caught up and, you know, we've been following some of the stories. I've been in touch with some people who, from the very beginning, were trying to make their way out and I'm just trying to follow their stories and see what it looks like and where they're going to end up. So that's one, you know, that unfortunately it's it's not the happiest story to tell, but I think it's a necessary one. So those are sort of the two things. Yeah, yeah, yeah two things I'm, I'm think I can think of immediately. Yeah. No, those are um, both important. Namulanta. Yeah. So for me, so we've just wrapped up what um, 15, 16 episodes or so. So that's that's the first oh, wow. season. I don't know if I'm coming back for a second season. Um We'll have to wait and see. So keep your fingers crossed. Um, if if I did come back, I would like to see um, some more African stories. To be honest, I don't know, Kim. Mm. I don't know if it's a thing, but I've 
find there's a lot of wariness in terms of sharing amongst um, the African community. And I don't know yeah. if that's something that I will continue to have to push for. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. What's your experience been? Sorry to throw a question. Yeah, right no, not at all. Not at <laughs> no, all. we want to hear it. Yeah. <laughs> Do you know what yeah. it is? Um, I think you're absolutely right. I think what I found really helps in getting people to getting kind of um, word of mouth recommendations. So it's a friend of a friend. So it's a friend of a friend. Do you know what I mean? Like, so yeah. people will come to me. It's people who know people, like a network of people, as opposed to mm -hmm. approaching people cold. Because okay. I find the times when I approach someone cold and I'm like, hi, you know, I've, you know, I came across this article where you were mentioned or it's always so much more difficult versus, hi guys, do you know of anyone? And then some people are like, okay, I'll ask my network. And, mm -hmm. you know, so I tend to cultivate people via networks as opposed to, I do sometimes approach people cold, but that tends to be a higher bar. <laughs> Whereas yeah. if it's like somebody who knows somebody who said, okay, you can speak to Kim. I know Kim, you know, she's, it, it's much more helpful. And it's not, you can't always do it that way. But yeah. I found that that way tends to work better for me. Um, because you're right, especially when it's personal stories. Like, yeah. why would I tell you this personal yeah. story? Yeah, yeah. 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 I don't even know you. Yeah, yeah I don't yeah. even know you. Why am I going to yeah. tell you my life story? So if, yeah. if it's possible, like, and I think you start to build it. Once you speak to someone, you know, you try, you know, where you can stay in contact and always be like, hey, I'm working on this other story. You know, would you know of anyone? And I find that that really, really has been so helpful to us. Um, and like I said, we're lucky we have this network of, journal of journalists in BBC Africa because then you can just be like, hi guys, yeah. <laughs> finally help me find somebody. Yeah, um, yeah. But yeah, it's, it's tricky. It's very yeah. tricky. So that would be great. That would be great for me. We've had a a quite a few start stops in terms of mm -hmm. just um, um, people do writing in cold, but mm -hmm. then, you know, as the process goes on, they're like, oh no, you know, um, I've had a change of heart. I, I don't think mm -hmm. I want to you know, bear my soul on um, on a podcast, which is fine. But I would just really like if if we did come back for season two, which I really hope we do, um, that that we'd have a few more a few more African stories. Thanks, guys. Yeah, sure. Yeah, I think that vulnerability hangover is is especially with the kind of stories that you tell. I could imagine, mm -hmm. you know, they're so personal and so vulnerable. Yeah. It's it's yeah. really brave work that you do. So. Oh, thank you, thank you. Oh. Well, thank so, yeah, you that, both. that's really helpful. Thank you, Kim. Yeah, it's like dating, you. I guess. <laughs> so, okay. Exactly. Word of mouth. Okay. <laughs> yeah, it sounds like it's a relational thing. A lot of yeah. a lot of places, I feel like it's it's the it's always about you know community and and who you know. And I think it, it's very strange, but and I mean, you guys are both with BBC World Service, but I've found that podcasting in general is a medium that feels that way. Yeah. You know, for for yeah. a lot of podcasters to have guests on their show, it's it's a, you know, it, it really is a it, pod, podcasting really is communal in a lot of ways. So mm. it's it's been really interesting, you know, from an aggregate perspective to witness yeah. that um, because you know it, it seems like it's very insular. You have your show and you produce it and you put it out and you know and then it's out there for the world. But in a lot of ways, you know, there there is community involved in so many aspects of it. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. I've been, um, you know, I, I've, I've realized things on the podcast as I'm speaking, realized things about myself or the way I think or, um, you know, something about the way I, um, I've grown up and you realize it as you're speaking to someone else. And sometimes it's been it's been a shock for me. So even just trying to balance Oh, I think we lost Namalanta for a second. Namalanta, yeah. Oh. Oh. Okay. Oh no, I, I see her. Hold on. Sorry, Namalanta, sorry. hello. No, no, no problem. And it was going so well. Um, so yeah, so I was just saying, yeah. So for me, it's been um, you know, also for me as a presenter, trying to find that balance where I'm comfortable with exposing how I feel and my thoughts as well. And considering that, you know, I won a competition, so um, my family, my kids have uh, have never had um, exposure to this before, so I want to protect them as well. So it's been good. Yeah, Just absolutely. finding that balance. Yeah, it's it's yeah, and your show is beautiful, both of you. Thank you both so much for joining us. It has been an absolute pleasure. I'm going to read our brief outro, and then 
we'll end it for today. Um, so thank you everyone for joining us for this live stream, the Storytelling podcast, podcast Week March Roundtable around the world with the BBC World Service with special guests, Namulanta Combo of Dear Daughter and Kim Chakanetsa of The Comb. For those of you who may be joining us for the first time, Storytelling Podcast Week has live stream sessions like this one with top podcasters and storytellers from scripted fiction and nonfiction podcasts from across our world and our imaginations. We also have exclusive recorded episodes on the Storytelling Podcast Week podcast, so make sure to check that out. If you join late or want to have another listen to these amazing podcasters and storytellers, you can replay the live stream on Podbean's YouTube channel and the podcast for Storytelling Podcast Week. Storytelling Podcast Week is brought to you by Podbean. We're a podcast hosting and monetizing platform and home to over 600,000 podcasts. To start your podcast, head over to podbean.com today. Thank you for joining us and stay tuned for next month's live panel from Storytelling Podcast Week in April. Thank you both so much. Thank Thanks. you for having us. Bye. Bye. Bye-bye. Thank you.